We'll do that. We got all the way to chapter, we got all the way to verse 6 in Galatians last week. And we got to talking about, you know, we got to talk about bearing one of those burdens. And that bearing one of those burdens fulfills the law of Christ. And what Paul's doing here, we, you can't divorce chapter 6 from chapter 5 because he has just gotten through listing the fruits of the Spirit for us. He has just gotten through listing the, the deeds of the flesh. And, of course, you know, the people that were coming in were saying you have to add law to the gospel and all these things. And Paul had def- defended the gospel in chapter 2 and, and chapter 3 and 4. And he said, no, all you need is, all right, children, am I going to separate you? All we need, all he, all we need is the, uh, the gospel and nothing more. And you can't add to it, can't take away from it, you can't do anything like that. And so what they're doing is what they're doing is now is they would be saying something like, Well, if that's true, then we just you're telling people to do whatever they want. You're telling people there's no law, there's no rules, there's no whatever, everybody live by your own dictates. And in chapter five, Paul was saying, No, that's not what I'm saying. Because when you're saved, when when you are when you come to grips with this gospel and this gospel comes into your heart. You'll also receive the Holy Spirit who in turn produces fruit in your life. And that fruit is love and peace and joy and long-suffering and all those things. And so he's showing that the saved life is a life that serves and follows God. It's a life that desires to serve and follow God. There's no need for me to come along and say, okay guys, you need to make sure you keep this rule and this rule and this rule if you're going to be a Christian. There's really no need for me to do that. The the Bible does it clearly for us and the spirit that lives inside of us makes us desire to please Him. And if there's no desire to please Him in our lives, there's no desire to please Him by serving each other and loving each other, then you should rightly question whether you're a Christian at all. You know, it doesn't matter really what you profess. I think it's a quote from one guy said that if you, uh, your profession of Jesus is worthless unless it results in an evidence of a life that serves, that serves Jesus in his body. And so I think we got to chapter uh, verse six where he says, we're talking about sharing one with one another, bearing one another's burdens, fellowshipping with one another. And he, he is showing how the fruits of the spirit Produce themselves or uh, manifest themselves in the body of believers, in the breath. He's talking about the fellowship of the believers. Here he's talking to the churches that were in Galatia, but, you know, of course, there's perfect application for us. And so I want to draw your attention real quick before we move on that he, he used two, maybe three, I could say three. Uh, of the fruits of the Spirit just in describing the first in the first five verses of Galatians 6. He said you're to restore the one that is fallen or caught and overtaken in a fault uh, in a spirit of meekness. Meekness is one of the fruits of the Spirit he used in chapter 5. That's the exercise of the fruit of the Spirit. That's in verse 1. Uh, bearing one of those burdens. Uh, verse Verse 3 is if you think you're something but you're nothing. And then let every man prove his own work. And he's talking about loving the brethren. He's talking about interacting with the brethren. He's talking about investing your life with the brethren. And that's how those fruits of the Spirit that he has just listed earlier uh, in, in chapter 5 are, uh, are manifest. That's how they grow. You cannot grow in patience. I use this all the time. You can't grow in patience until somebody tries your patience. <laughs> You can't grow in meekness or long-suffering 
until someone comes. So is investing your life in the body of Christ, I'm not talking about worldwide invisible church, but the local body, is it is it messy? Yes. Does it hurt sometimes? Yes. Is it great potential for you to be hurt by other people? Yes. Will you be hurt by other people? Always. Is that a reason to lock yourself up in your closet and say, I'm not going to fellowship, I'm not going to invest myself anymore? No. And the reason is, you will. if you do that, you will never grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Ever. You will. I used, was preaching in the earth service, I used the example of a guy that uh, was walking in a hospital and, and last week he, he hit his arm. He had an IV thing in his arm and he knocked it on something and he was... He was walking down the front corridor of the hospital and blood was going. I mean, he was he didn't know it. I mean, he was walking like this toward the front door of the hospital and it wasn't drops of blood. It was a stream of blood was pouring out of his IV the whole time. He was leaving a, a river of blood down the hospital. Yeah, and of course, I, I, had, I was in the bathroom when he was and I was following him out and. I mean, just because I was coming out, not really following that, but and, and and when I saw this, I was like, "Hey, excuse me, sir," you know, uh, and he he wouldn't listen to me. I mean, everybody else was like, "Is that guy talking to me? Who who is that yelling?" And this guy was like, "He ain't talking to me." I don't know. And so the 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 point is the point is that uh, if we if we if we I was going to say solitude ourselves, but that's not right. What's the, what's the verb for solitude? Seclude. There you go. If we seclude ourselves from our family, our brethren, then our spiritual life will quickly dwindle away. It'll quickly seep away. And you'll be like so many other people that wake up and go, what happened? You know, I used to love to pray. I used to spend time with God. I don't understand why this is going on. And I just don't feel like going to church, you know. And so the thing that what happens is when you when you remove yourself from the fellowship of believers, and I'm not talking about just attending. I'm not talking about just giving your money. I'm not talking about nothing like that. I'm talking about you investing your life with other people, other disciples of Christ. You investing yourself. And by being here... That's the, you're doing that. I mean, you're. It, it's not just about you coming and you know so and so needs help. I got to go help them. You know, it's not just about that. It's about you being here and being available, making yourself available, not only to aid those that need their burdens bore, but to allow others to help you bear your burdens. You know, that's that is how the fruits of the spirit grow. We talked about that last week. So I'm not going to go any more detail into that. But he's going to continue. We've, re- we've read these verses that we're about to read lots of times. But remember the context that we're reading them in now. Remember that he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And he's going to continue with the theme, so to speak, of the fruit of the Spirit and growing the fruit. And he's going to talk about reaping, sowing and reaping. Now He's going to say, verse, verse 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for for what whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. For if for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now 
He, he's given a principle that's true in everything. Uh, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. That's true in all facets of life. Now, it does not mean, like so many people take it to mean, that if I do good, then nothing ever bad is going to happen to me. That is not what it means. What it means is that you cannot plant corn seeds and expect wheat to come up. See what I mean? You can't, you can't, whatever you're sowing into, you can't expect fruit of another kind to pop up when you're not sowing that kind of fruit. See, see the difference? Uh, we live in this life and, you know, we, we probably need to, now that I think about it, let's do suffering next week. And then do Bible the week after. Because with all the stuff in France and all the things people are going through right now, that's a question I've been asked several times this week is why does God let people suffer like He does? You want to do that? That'd be better. How many of y'all were here last time we did suffer? Same three or four? Okay. Okay. I don't want to bore you. So if it's... I didn't remember Okay, well, obviously I need to do it again. Obviously we need to do it again. Okay, so we'll do suffering. Why does God let people suffer next week? And then we'll do suffering. We'll do suffering next week. We'll do how I can trust the. How do I know I can trust the Bible week after? And then we'll start Acts chapter one and go through twenty-eight chapters of Acts. Okay. Um, where was that? What was I saying? Yes, you can't you can't sow you can't sow a particular kind of seed and then expect some other kind of plant to pop up out of the. That's just that's just a law of nature. That's a law that God has put in place. Uh, whatever you sow to is what you're going to reap. And so He's telling them, how does that apply to the fruits of the Spirit? Now, if, if we're thinking about spiritual fruit, you're thinking about, when I think of fruit, I think of, you know, apples and oranges and stuff that grows on trees. So how does that apply with sowing and reaping? You think he's, has he changed subjects? No. No, he's not changed subjects. He's still talking about bearing fruit. He's still talking about fruit in the brethren. He's talking about how the spiritual fruit manifests itself and grows as we fellowship with one another. But he wants us to understand that the person who says, the person who refuses to, to sow into the Spirit can't assume that they're going to reap spiritual reward. Now, the reaping here we're going to see is done, it's done for sure when we, when we see Christ, when, when this life's over. But we also reap during this life. I don't want you to think we're just sitting on our hands waiting. Um, it says, the you know, verse seven says, "Be not deceived. God is not mocked. He has just said in verse three that if a man thinks he's something and is nothing, what's he doing to himself? Deceiving. He's deceiving himself. And he says, but don't deceive yourself in this. I got a question. God's not going to be mocked. Okay. <laughs> God will not be. When we think of mocking, we think of like, nah, 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 nah. you know, it's not necessarily the way the term's used here. It's, 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 I mean, it's, a, it's, that's the way it should be translated, but it's, it's almost like God is not going to be evaded. You're not going to get around. You're not, you're not going to get around uh, God's judgment. You're not going to get around God's justice. You're not going to. You're not going to be, huh? Like God is not going to be ignored by you. 
Yeah, like he's not going to be his truth and his what he's told you is not going to be able to be ignored. You're not going to get by. Uh, God is not going to be proven to be unjust. He's not going to be proven to be wrong in any way. Uh, he's saying, "Don't deceive yourself. Uh, you're going to have to answer. You're going whatever it is that you're sowing to is what you're going to be reaping. It's okay. as simple as that. And so it's talking about God's justice and his. You know, you're not going to get away from what he has put in place." Uh, God's not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. And now he says, up until this point, uh, or even after this point, he's going to be talking about you and let us do this and let you do that. But he says, whatever man, it doesn't matter what kind of man, any person, whatever you sow, you're you're going to reap. you know, just like we were talking about seeds a minute ago, a spiritual seed, and I'm not talking about like the TV preacher, you know, sow your seed of $69 and you'll get it. Not talking about that stupidity. I'm talking about sowing a seed to your, to the spiritual fruit, you know, to love and joy, peace and long suffering. Sowing that seed among the brethren is going to, is going to, you'll reap among that. And what it does is it also gives evidence that you are His children. We'll see that too in a minute. A life full of sowing to the flesh leads to what? Corruption. Corruption. Corruption can mean many different things. I think in this context the primary meaning is damnation. Hellfire and brimstone. But it also means that like that guy walking around the hospital with blood... Your life is just draining away. I mean, you, you, more and more and more and more corrupt. More and more and more spiritually dry, withering away. If you uh, do not sow to the fruit of the Spirit, do not sow to the Spirit by investing your life and ex- exercising those fruits of the Spirit in the brethren, your spiritual life withers away. We were never meant, there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You know, me and my Bible out under a tree and I don't need no fellowship with the brethren. I don't need to bear one another's burdens. I don't need to do. There is no such thing. You will quickly find yourself withering away on the vine and you'll be wondering why. It's because you have not you have not invested yourself and the fruits of the spirit are not growing. Love is a fruit of the spirit. Okay, a lot of people think because I love my children and I love my mother and I love my family and I love my, you know, my best friends, that that is evidence of spiritual fruit. That is not. Why is it not? Because the Bible says if you love someone that's easy to love, you've gained anything. But if you love someone that is hard to love or unlovable in their own definition, then that's when you've gained. Yeah, that's the then you have reward. That's what Jesus exactly what Jesus said. The Muslims love their children too. The atheists love their mamas and daddies too. Lots of people that have no spirit, no Holy Spirit whatsoever love those who love them. They love their families. They love their whatever. The, the love here is a love for God's people, the God's, the brethren. If you will see in the very first part of this chapter, that's why it'll do us good to just remember all the things we did last week because this is one, it's actually one big section, chapter 5 and chapter 6. We're kind of dividing it up because we have to go from week to week. But it, it, it's all connected. He says, brethren, you know, if one of you is taken in a fault, you got to restore each other. you got to do it in meekness. You got to bear one another's burdens. You got to, and then continuing on, he starts to say, "Look, whatever you whatever you sow, you're going to reap. 
I mean, whatever you're sowing yourself into, you're going to reap. So many people, you know, they they do not, you know, you you hear either myself or, or somebody just saying, wow, y'all really need to be coming to church. And you think, well, man, they just want to have a lot of people come to church. And you know, it's, just, it's really not that. Do you realize that, you know, I'm probably way overstepping my bounds here, but do you realize that the more people that we gain in at Christ Church, the harder our jobs become, you know, to have to take care of people, you know. And so really it's not about that. It's about you coming and investing yourself in the fellowship so that you can grow spiritually, so that you can become strong, so that you it's easy to fly fly hard on emotion for a while. But after a while, you're going to need you're going to need the spirit's growth. You're going to need the fruits of the spirit being bore in your life uh, to uh, to to sustain that. Does that make sense? Am I am I okay? Uh, I'm just making sure we all understand it. For he that soweth to what verse verse eight, not just flesh, but huh? Well, yeah, to whose flesh? To his flesh, yeah. The one who, how do I sow to my own flesh rather than sow to the, we talked about sowing to the spirit. We talked about fellowship with the brethren, talked about the fruits of the spirit. Sowing to the flesh, a lot of people take that to mean, you know, go out and bank robbery or go out and live a riotous life, drinking sex, drugs and rock and roll. You know, and of course that is, you know, he gave us the deeds of the flesh. And one of those was carousing and drunkenness and all those. Those are deeds of the flesh. But what does it mean for somebody in the brethren to sow to his flesh? Selfishness. Yeah. Taking care of their own needs. Taking care. And if you look back, we're not going to right now. That's exactly right. If you look back to the deeds of the flesh, you'll see every single one of them has its root in me. Mm -hmm. Sexual sin. Idolatry. What else was it? Drunkenness and carousing. Uh, that whole list of deeds to the flesh all have to do with my needs, what I want, what's going to please me, what's going to make me happy. Even idolatry is about me. Why? Because I make me a little God who's going to give me everything I want. You see what I mean? Nobody wants to serve the God who has his own will and who exercises his own will and I have to bend to his will. We want a God that's going to give us what we want and we can pray to him and we can say, look, I want a new car. I want to be happy. I want money. So idolatry is even all about me. So the man that sows to his flesh, if you leave, if you live a life that is characterized by you sowing to your flesh, what will happen when you die? That's not a trick question. <laughs> Absolutely. Why? Why would you? Why? That, that's exactly right. So is it saying you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to stay out of hell? You have to do these works? No. Okay, what's it saying? That you have to die to yourself. You have to put your faith into somebody else instead of just relying on yourself. That's right. That's all, those are both right. It's saying that the life that has been changed... See, Paul. remember Paul's whole argument here. Is this all about the gospel? You're adding law. You can't be adding law. 
But when a man is changed by the gospel, the only gospel, the perfect gospel that Paul is preaching, that the only thing that you need, what's going to happen in his life? Will a man can a man be changed by the gospel and just keep on rocking on like he's always been? That's right. By trusting the gospel, the Spirit of Christ indwells you, and you will begin to fulfill the law of God. The law that is fulfilled in love. And that's he told us that in chapter five and in the beginning of chapter six. You will begin to fulfill the law because the Spirit of God produces. Spiritual, spiritual fruit. Yes, all those. Spiritual fruit. You see how it ties together? You see what Paul's trying to teach us? He says it, the Spirit is going to produce these things in you. So, if you are a man, and I said man, man, woman, if you're a person who lives a life that completely sows to your own flesh, in no, no matter whatever form, whatever form it is, whether it's this sin or that sin, or just... Find yourself rooted in covetousness, selfishness. If you just find, if that is the characteristic of your life, then you have no reason to think that you've ever been changed by Christ. Now, does that mean we're all perfect? Does that mean if you're not following all this perfect, then you're you're definitely going to hell when you die? No, of course not. He wouldn't even need to tell us if if it were so. There'd be no room for growth. If I took a snapshot of your life, just click and took a picture. I got a Polaroid. People don't do Polaroids anymore, but if I, if I had a picture, I could catch you probably this week doing something in, in a pose, or so to speak, in a, in a picture, and I would show that picture to someone and they would say, ah, no Christian should ever be doing that. I could catch a picture of you this, this week. But if I watched the movie reel of your life, it would show you continually growing in holiness. Yes, you do stupid stuff sometimes. Yes, you fall. Yes, you sin. Yes, the Holy Spirit chastises you and you know, you're, you're growing in Christ and all those things. But the overall characteristic of your life is one that is growing in holiness. It's growing in its relationship with God. And that's why it says... It says, those who soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. So to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, what he's talking about here is the evidence as the Spirit of God. Do you produce the fruit or does the Spirit produce the fruit? The Spirit produces the fruit. He's talking about the evidence in your life. That you have been changed. He's arguing against the Judaizers who are saying, wait a minute, Paul. If you're taking all the rules away and saying all we have to do is follow the gospel, all we have to do is trust in the gospel, you're inviting anarchy. Everybody can just do whatever they want to do. And you think that that's going to be honoring to God. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. When you trust the gospel, the Spirit of God produces fruit in you. So you, your life changes and you, in, you invest yourself in the brethren. You bear one another's burdens. You... You're, you you ex, you produce love and, and and joy and peace and long suffering and all these things. The spirit of God produces those things in your life, and that is an, an evidence that the spirit has has truly saved you in your life. I just ask you a question. Okay. What, you, uh, what is your thoughts or about what happened in France and how we're supposed to, you know, that's evil. 
Well, how are we supposed to accept that, or how are we supposed to embrace that? What are we supposed to do? Embrace what happened in France? Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, well, that, that deals with suffering. We're going to talk about that next week. I'll be here next week. Be, well, I'll, I'll record it for you. That's a whole that's a, that's a whole other lesson, Dave. We're going to stay on this one. Let me get through this, and then if we got a few minutes, we'll talk about that. It says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. When is that reaping going to come? In due, In due season, that's right. That's right. Could it be tomorrow? It could, or it could be after I'm dead. Yes, it very well could be. And the point that he's making is, you know, sometimes sowing to the Spirit, investing in the brethren, bearing one another's burden, it hurts. It's messy. People hurt you. People... Don't appreciate what you've done. People, you know, it, we're all growing in patience and we're all growing in long suffering. We're all growing in, in, in lots of different, lots of different areas. And so it's easy for us to get discouraged when you sow into a person's soul and you sow and you sow and you sow and you just don't look like you're reaping anything. You know, it's easy to get down. I, I mean, I got to be honest, I got discouraged this week, you know, just lots of different things going on. And you can always tell when I'm discouraged, I don't mope around and wear a frown, but I will snap your head clean off if you talk. You know, you, you can know. So if ever, I, if ever I'm snappy, don't say, well, Jason's just a rear end. Say, he must be going through something hard. <laughs> I need I need to help him <laughs> because I get huh yeah I go through a lot. <laughs> That's not about a question. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I tend I tend I really no, in all seriously you you can tell I mean Dana will I know you will back it up. I, if I'm worried or down or whatever, I tend to get ill, and you best just leave me alone. And that's, I'm, I'm not saying that's right, and that's, it's bad sinful, it's bad sinful. But, uh, you know, when you sow, and you sow, and you sow, and you sow, and you think you're doing good, and you think you're helping somebody, and you think that, you know, if they would just, like that guy walking in the hospital slinging blood, if the guy would just listen to what I mean, if he would just, hey, I'm talking to you, sir. Would you know? I sure ain't finna grab me squirting blood everywhere. I'm, I'm out. I'll do a lot of gross things. That ain't one of them. I ain't touching your blood. I'm sorry. That's that's not my calling. And so, if you just if you just listen, turn, turn around, look at me. I'm trying to help you. You know, your life's draining out, and you sow and you sow and you sow into people, and it just doesn't look like you doesn't look like you're reaping anything. It doesn't look like you're being a benefit to anybody. It doesn't look like you're helping anybody. Like Doesn't look like you're doing anything, huh? <laughs> kind of like parenting. Takes parenting. forever for Oh, parenting. I thought he said parenting. I was like, what does that mean? Parenting. parenting. Yes, yes. It's easy to get discouraged. But he said, look, it says, verse 9 says, look, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap. 
There's coming a day when you will, your efforts, your efforts of bearing one another's burden, your efforts of investing in the brethren, your efforts in sowing to the Spirit, it may, sometimes in the things of this world get to going at us and it seems like I'm doing all this and I'm not getting anything, I'm not getting any benefit, I'm not getting any whatever out of it. You will, it's a promise, you will reap if you do what? If you faint not. If you do not, if you do not give up, you will reap a reward. You will, it may not be, you know, it may not, may not be exactly the way that you expected or the, exactly the way you planned it, but it says if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap a reward if you faint not. Do not get weary in your well-doing. There are so many times when... We just want validation. And I, I think that's a, a big... And I can say that for myself as well as when I invest time or I invest love or, you know, whatever. And it, it seems on my end that it's just being either taken for granted or ignored or whatever. You want, you want that, you know, you did a good job. And when you don't get that, you're like... Well, apparently I'm not doing good enough, so I'm just going to stop that. And, and that's not the way we're supposed to handle it. Because one, we're not supposed to do it for ourselves. It's yeah. not for our gain. It's for the. It's for God's gain. You know, yeah. for our gain and our faith. Absolutely, uh, I think that's exactly right. And for me, my my thinking is, you know, if if you. You heard that thing about the preacher who says, well, I'm just going to keep preaching this, and when you get this, then I'll move on to something else. You know, we've heard that deal. Sometimes it's like, you know, if if I come to Jimmy, and Jimmy, you're on the front row, so you're my example, and you can't talk back, so that makes you a great example. He's got deals going on. If I come to Jimmy, and Jimmy comes to me, and he says, Jason, I need your help. I'm on fire. And I say... Well, Jimmy, here's some water. Splash it on yourself. Jimmy says, I can't splash it on myself. I'm on fire. I said, well, here's the water. Put the fire out. But you don't understand. You're not the one that's on fire. Well, well, Jimmy, here's the water right here. If you'll just put the water on you, it'll put the fire out. But you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm just on fire. See, I'm thinking, what more can I do? I mean, what? I mean, I am just spinning my wheels. I've told you what you need. I've told you what God's word says. I've told you. I, I, you know, I see, you know, someone comes and says, I'm just withering away in my spiritual life. Well, let me tell you what you need to do. Number one, you need to check your prayer life. Number two, you need to check to make sure that you have your Bible study time. A big, huge, absolute necessity. Number three is you need to invest yourself in the fellowship of the believers. You cannot grow outside of the fellowship of believers, period. I will defend that against anybody who would want to bring argument against it at any time, any day, and twice on Sunday. No way you can grow in the fruits of the Spirit unless you're invested in a fellowship. It doesn't necessarily have to be this one. I'm saying somewhere, a local fellowship. Fellowship down the road, down the road, or here. Cannot grow. And still, when folks go, you know, well, you know, I'm tired today. I'm I'm busy today. I'm, I'm whatever. And that's fine. You've grown up. You know, you can do what you want to do. But then when you come back the very next day and say, I need help again. I'm spiritually withered. Well, you ain't took the medicine. Of course you are. It's like going to the doctor and saying, Doc, my stomach's hurting. And the doc says, here, take this pill. And you go home and you don't take the pill. And you come back the next day and say, Doc, my stomach's still hurting. Well, the pill didn't work. Oh, no, I didn't take it. 
Well, yeah, your stomach's still hurt. And so when stuff like that, and that's not just, that's not just, that's not just preacher, you know, what, that's when we bear one another's burden. When, when a believer bears the burden of another believer and, you know, they invest themselves in helping, that's what discipleship is. It's not a class. It's not a program that a church does. It's one believer investing his life into another believer and then that believer going and investing their life and then the, and the cycle goes on and on. And when that happens, whenever you're dealing with sinners, whenever you're dealing, and we're all sinners, whenever you're dealing with that, I mean, it can get messy. It can be hurt, hurtful. It can it can cause pain in your life, and so it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get it's easy to get down, thinking, "Well, I'm not doing no good. I'm not doing, the, you know, I, I'm just saying, I ain't I ain't really worth nothing." Paul's saying, "Look, understand it. When you sow to the Spirit, when you sow to those fruits, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, when you bear one another's burden in the fellowship, your your sowing, you will reap." You will reap in due season. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. Definitely, I think that he has the end in mind because he says, if you sow to the Spirit, what are you going to reap? You're going to reap life everlasting. So even if even if life just punches you in the face for all your days, when, when you see Christ, you're going you're gonna to reap for all the sowing that you've done. Yes? Uh, while you're talking about that, I'm thinking about this um, not growing weary. It's, it's almost as if uh, it, it's similarly tied to, you know, whatsoever you do, do as unto the Lord, and the Father you know, will give you reward, uh, so, so to speak, not growing weary. Because sometimes we look at, we're investing in this situation, and we're... Uh, I want my reward from the person from from this situation, but it but it may run its course and you may not see it, but you're because you wouldn't see a reward from that instead of from the Father. Yeah, that's a good point. Change so your perspective of what the reward looks like. Yeah, or where the rewards come from. Where it's coming from. That reminds me of when. Um, Jesus reinstated Peter after Peter denied Christ three times. Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And then Peter said three times, yes, I love you. And Jesus' response was, then you go and you feed my sheep. And it's always stuck out to me that he said, he didn't say, do you love my sheep? Then go feed my sheep. He said, if you love me, then you'll go feed my sheep. One of the greatest pieces of advice that has helped me through so much uh, is when... when uh, uh, I was first called to the ministry, even before I was working here. Uh, uh, Brother Eddie said, the one thing you need to know is you do what you do for Jesus. Don't do it for, don't do it just, just for people. He said, if you're helping Joe down the road, you help Joe for Christ's sake. Because if you do it for Joe, Joe's always going to let you down. Joe's always going to fail you. He's always going to stab you in the back. He's always going to, you know, he's a sinner just like you are, just like I am. But if you do what you do for Christ, doesn't make any difference what Joe does. If he pays you back or if he whatever, you didn't do it for him anyway. You did it because you love Christ. So that's a, that's a good point. Let's get, let's get done reading. We, we, man, we could spend forever in this chapter too. It says, because of all this, because of the sowing and reaping, verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. 
Do you see how he's still talking about fellowship among the brethren here? It's always at the forefront of his mind. As we have, therefore, opportunity does not mean when the opportunity presents itself. That does not mean that. What it means is right now you have the opportunity. And as long as you have the opportunity, you need to be doing good, especially to the household of faith. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right now, as long as you're breathing, you have the opportunity. So as you have the opportunity, you need to be doing good. It doesn't say like if you're walking down the street and somebody pops around, hey, I got opportunity to do No, that's not what it's talking about. When it says as you have opportunity, he's taking for granted that you do have opportunity right now. But there will come a day when, you know, you die or Christ returns and you'll have no longer opportunity and you will reap what you have sown. Does that make sense? Right now is the sowing. Right now is the sowing. And there's going to come a day when there will be the reaping and you will reap what you sow. So while you have opportunity, you do good to all men. But he wants to make sure he tacks that on to understand what we're talking about here, especially to the household of faith. This is how the spiritual fruits are grown. Okay? With me? The rest of this, he, he, he kind of gets done here. And, and the rest of it, he, he jabs the Judaizers one more time. I, I really enjoy Watching is something wonderful to see. He says, "You see how you see how large a letter I have written unto you." Some some translations say letters. You know, like look how big I'm writing these letters. But it's it says, "You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand." Why would he say my own hand? Because I'm gonna give you the answer because we're running out of time. A lot of times, people who would write letters in the old days used what was called an amanuensis. Say that five times real fast. And that was basically just somebody that was dictating. He was, he was dictating and they were writing it down. But Paul's saying, look, I'm so serious about this. I'm writing this deal with my own hand. I'm not, I'm not dictating it to Titus or to whoever's writing it down. I'm, I'm writing this with my own hand. He said, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh... They, he's talking about the Judaizers. They constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. He's saying they're wanting you to be circumcised so they won't have to be persecuted for following Jesus, for following the cross. He says, but for neither, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. What does that mean? First of all, the ones who are touting the law saying you need to keep the law if you're going to be right with God, they're not keeping the law either. Nobody's keeping the law. Not perfectly. You run into a man that says, I am keeping God's law perfectly, you're either talking to a liar or you're talking to somebody who's completely delusional. Okay, because you're not keeping the law perfectly. If you were keeping it, you wouldn't need a Savior. You wouldn't need Christ. And so he says, even these guys that are touting circumcision in the law, they're not keeping the law. So they're telling you to do something that they're not even doing. And all they're really wanting to do is to gain glory and gain honor in making you their students, making you their disciples, glorying in your flesh. See, make sense? Let me finish reading and then we can talk about it. But God forbid that I should glory. This is Paul here talking, the one who started all these churches. He started these churches in Galatia that he's writing to. He said, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Man, there's so much we could talk about right there, but we're out of time. Verse 15 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Remember, he's not saying circumcision is bad. 
if that's your, if you're, if you say if you're a Jewish guy, and circumcision, you know, it, it it helps your conscience, and following these rituals helps your conscience. Knock yourself out. There's nothing wrong with that. It's all great. Go ahead. He says, but whether you do that or don't do that, it's not going to make you right or not right before God. The only thing that matters is that you're born again. The only thing that matters is that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And as many as walk according to this rule, what rule is this rule? The gospel rule. Yeah. The being a new creature. He says, this is the rule. Now, all through the book, they've been given rules. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law of Moses. You need to whatever. Here in verse 15, he says, circumcision and uncircumcision doesn't mean anything but a new creature. That's the only thing that matters. Being a new creation. And he says, as many as walk according to this rule, that being a new creation, he said, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. I just can't help but think that that Israel of God is just another jab to the Judaizers. I mean, he's calling he's calling these Galatian Gentiles in Christ the Israel of God. Yeah. He said the ones who, whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, whether you're slave, free, male or female, doesn't matter who you are. If you're in Christ, he says, if you're walking in this rule, that is being a new creature, born again in Christ Jesus, he said, you have grace upon you, you have peace upon you with God, and you are the Israel of God. And so he ends it saying, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. At that end, verse 17 says, From henceforth let no man trouble me. I, I take that like Paul throwing the pen down. So I'm through with that. I'm through with y'all. I ain't going to be bothering. Drop the mic and walk off the stage. <laughs> uh, he has, Galatians is one very... Short, choppy, emotional letter, and Paul wants to make sure they know that he ain't playing around. He ain't playing around. You you can you can fall into this sin or that sin like the people in Corinth had done, and Paul will come and he'll rebuke you and he'll bring you back in love. You start messing with the gospel and it really makes him upset. And as well it should. And he makes sure that they know that the gospel is the only thing that makes us right before God. But in the midst of that, he takes chapter uh, chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6 and makes sure that we know that the gospel not only makes us right before God, but it also changes our hearts and our lives to follow after the law of God and to live after the fruits of the Spirit. Make sense? Is there any questions? Okay. Let's uh, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day and for your word.